Hey everybody, it's Aid, and I want to start the show this week with an important life lesson. Uh, something that I picked up this weekend and I'm never going to look back, quite frankly. Uh, my advice to you is if you have any distance to travel at all, uh, get your own personal luxury motorboat. Something I tried this weekend and it's totally awesome and everybody should have one. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. You are listening to show 43. Uh, my name's Aid, and I think uh, I've still got a little bit of that zen feeling from last week's conversation with Dave Bias. So today we're going to shake it up a little bit. Uh, we've got a, a sort of a magazine show, loads and loads of things for us to catch up on. Uh, but first of all, let's catch up with Graham. How are you, buddy? Aid, I am very happy to be here. Yeah, it was fantastic having Dave on last week. Man, that guy has got so many stories to share um, about so many different things. And um, it's great listening to him ramble on about stuff. And um, yeah, just hearing all about the backstory of Farania and things like that. It was it was fantastic. Um, the only the only thing that he said that I thought, I'm not sure if that's true, is um, when he was talking about his partner, he said that... Um, they're so close that he sometimes finishes her sentences and I, I'm not sure I believe that Dave ever gives her a chance to get a word in there, Joyce. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I didn't have two hours of monologue to edit at all. <laughs> Listen, sorry, Dave, because uh, you may be listening. Uh, you are an awesome guest and uh, you'd be welcome to come back on the show whenever you like. And we will do that uh, at some point. So, loads of things to go through today then, mate. Uh, photography show update. I've had a weekend away. Uh, a thing that arrived through your post box. Uh, some project updates. A camera thing. Uh, and a competition. Because we haven't got enough competitions running at the moment on this podcast. So, why not get involved in other people's as well? <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favourite you'd like to do first? Or shall we just do it in the rather higgledy-piggledy order we cobbled to the show notes together in? Uh, let's go with the higgledy piggledy or the, that we cobbled the show notes together and that seems good to me aid okay. okay well we'll start with that this takes us back picture the scene ladies and gentlemen of the audience um you know three young men with a shared passion uh meet up uh somewhere just off the motorway and the edge of birmingham which is i guess where some of the passion sort of starts to seep away somewhat <laughs> <laughs> I am talking, of course, of the photography show, um, the biggest show of its kind in the UK, uh, which is why it has to go to a place called the National Exhibition Centre. Uh, and this is a place where Graham and I decided to go to ooh, some months ago and then we both forgot about it and then both at the last minute remembered. And uh, we bumped into a buddy of ours as well. Yeah, we certainly did. Um, Neil Piper, um, long term friend of the show, got in touch and said, are you still going to this thing said oh yeah yeah we'll be there so neil came over and met us up there and it was great getting to meet neil um uh he's um shorter than i was expecting him to be uh, but i think it's just because neil's shorter than most human beings are um no offense <laughs> <laughs> yeah no taking i'm sure yeah <laughs> but no it was great getting to meet with neil it was it was a weird um mix of the show because at the same time as the photography show was going on uh, right next to it was uh, comic-con 
Um, and anyone who has ever heard of Comic-Con or been to a Comic-Con will know that that is a lot of people dressed up in some pretty crazy costumes. It was great. It was. Uh, and, of course, um, inspired exhibition management there uh, by the people that run the venue to put the photographers next to the people who love to be photographed. Uh, you know, it, I don't think I've ever been to an event of some kind where there were so many people who were just absolutely gagging to have their photograph taken. Uh, it made the Cheap Shots Challenge come alive a little. Yeah, you say that, but I, say, I didn't <laughs> I didn't take any pictures of any of the people at Comic-Con. I don't know why. Um, there were lots of people who were, but uh, I, I didn't. The, the one, and I, I didn't spot this. You mentioned it to me as we were walking away costume-wise. This is the one that stuck in my mind is um, because there were a lot of people there, and I, I recognized most of what they were dressed up, and uh, you, you probably slightly fewer, but there was one where we walked away, and you just said to me, I think that woman was wearing nothing apart from two bits of um, masking tape across her nipples. <laughs> Is that right, Aid? I think so. It's difficult to tell. She may have had... Some, I imagine she had some pants on or something like that. I don't know. But uh, I just... There was this woman who was painted all golden colour and she was posing with some other poet. And I thought, that's a fairly close-fitting costume. <laughs> and I know what... I've Ooh, okay. I don't think I and and because I'm not a Comic Con goer. I mean, you say I recognised fewer than you did. I think you're being quite generous there. <laughs> I I recognised about one in ten, and that's only because they were Harry Potter or Darth Vader. <laughs> so, yeah, or Harry Vader. <laughs> no, it's great. I love seeing everybody. I love the effort that people at those cons go to to get dressed up, and um, all the photographers there were very appreciative of it. I have to say, actually, in a uh, sort of semi-related way, really, because there were all these people dressed up and lots of women dressed up in very cool costumes and lots of men, but the one thing in the photography show that I was very glad to see that there wasn't a lot of, or really any, um, those babes just weren't a thing. I don't know whether this is the thing that's been long gone, but I know it was a bit of a staple of some of the old photography shows and um i'm very glad to see that uh, that that has gone in fact i think there was only one booth where i saw the use of models um you know being explicitly used for that purpose and and that was a booth right out on the corner whose business was selling holidays to photographers to go and take um nude and sort of glamour photography so i suppose it, it fitted with that but other than that it was nowhere to be seen which i think is a very positive thing for i didn't see that stall are you sure you're not making that up <laughs> uh well this is going to link nicely because that was very close by to probably the first place we made a beeline for um inspired by by neil which was the disabled photographers society um now this is a charitable organization which raises money to uh, help people with disabilities enjoy the hobby of photography, whether it's through organising get-togethers, getting specialist equipment to modify cameras, um, all sorts of different things. And throughout the year, they take in donations of cameras, any photographic equipment at all, bags, darkroom stuff, manuals, anything at all that's related to photography. And they have this one time of the year. They are the one charitable thing. <laughs> Sounds terrible to phrase it like this. They are the one charitable thing of the photography show. And they have this stall there. At, at which point they sell all of the stuff that they have. Um, 
and uh, Neil, uh, it was like catnip to Neil. But when, by the time we got <laughs> just, there, just just to Neil. <laughs> well, I mean, I I was very good aid. I was I looked but did not purchase. Uh, Neil looked and did purchase. I know he bought. Um, two or I, actually i think he bought three in the end um olympus mew ones for a few pounds each he bought some darkroom stuff some clips he bought all sorts of bits and pieces he was having a great time they had i mean it, it was just there were tables and tables of cameras of all sorts of vintages and condition and type and yeah, there was there was so much stuff there wasn't there eh? There was. It, it was awesome. It was. It was a fantastic place, and uh, I'm pretty sure you and Neil spent more time at that stand than you did at any other stand. Um, possibly more than you did spent at several stands put together. Oh, we'll talk about Patterson a bit though. Um, but yes. the uh, yeah. So okay. So let's just step back a bit, right, uh, and just describe to people, you know, what it is that we did. I mean, most people at this point have been to some convention or other, but this was actually pretty a pretty big room, and you had all the major manufacturers uh with their with their big stand so you had canon and nikon and and olympus and sony and fuji um and you then you had uh some of the retail uh, brands that that uh some of some of which are global but many many of which are sort of uk uh stalwarts uh and then you had specialist suppliers of things for professional photographers be they books or um printing technologies or, or or whatever it might be and then you just had the crazy weird stuff around the edges like uh the lady that show that that sold special soft toys that you put around your lens to make you interesting to toddlers when you take photos the number of stalls that ha- sold sheepskin rugs and what i can only imagine were dog baskets for people that take <laughs> photographs of young uh, of newborn children um there was a lot of that there's a lot of props available for sale um and then of course then you've got things like bags and tripods and lighting we'll come back to lighting in a minute and it deserves drones. It, 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 drones as well yeah the lighting clearly deserves its own segment of the show in fact yeah, probably yeah. its own show <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, this is awesome. I think you're right. I'm glad you pointed out that there didn't seem to be much in the way of booth babes. Um, that's uh, You're absolutely correct. And as well as that, um, equally, when you went to a stand, you know, your Pro Photo and Boeing stands where they've got models and they're, sh- they're demonstrating the, uh, the products. Um, there were male models as well as female models and everybody, all the models had all their clothes on. Um, and actually, yeah, it didn't feel particularly exploitative, actually, did it? No, it didn't. And the other thing that is that um, whilst there, were, there wasn't a lot of stuff there that was relevant specifically to analogue photography, um, and we'll talk about pretty much everything because it's not a long list well, um, especially seeing as you and i disagree on that yeah absolutely um and, and you that's the thing you're entitled to be wrong but um everything whether i did go and get chatting to people the people on the stands were one really nice and also they were really knowledgeable and informed and they, they you know they knew what they were talking about and they were people who were often key people within within the company you know these were people like you know marketing managers and stuff like this it wasn't just oh this is you know somebody who we yanked out of the shop for the day who doesn't really know what's going on it was um there's some really good people to chat to there so it was yeah a very enjoyable i spent a lot of time talking to people well you did tell us tell us then um you because you had a very long conversation with mr patterson here he, he of the tank company yeah it was great wasn't it because we we did make a 
beeline for anything that uh, was analog related um, because I, I was getting confused and um, befuddled by all the things I just didn't understand. And Patterson were there and they had um, a, a really good display of all of their darkroom stuff there. Um, all the uh, tech and trays um I had the film washes there which is something i really like the idea of getting some proper film washes and stuff like that um and picked up some of their brochures and it was interesting getting to chat to him about the fact that you know they've taken all this stuff the thing which i've found interesting even though it's not my usual field of interest is they've just started a new range of lights um and these are these are studio lights aren't they aid yeah, um, which I didn't know that they did, actually. So I was quite quite pleasantly surprised. So they're focusing on, excuse the pun, um, if they are concentrating on the manufacture of continuous lights. Uh, and they've got uh, a tungsten and they've got a lot of uh, compact fluorescence. Uh, and uh, they're just in the process of developing a, an LED head as well. Um, and these are, yeah, these are studio lights. Um, they are... Uh, they seemed pretty good quality. I mean, the, the the casing of these things was made out of you know, machined aluminium um, rather than plastic or anything like that. Uh, they don't have uh, a battery powered solution for these lights currently. So they, they only run off the mains um, or if you have, I guess, if you have some kind of portable generator and inverter or something like that, you could use that. But uh, actually, you know, really, they, they looked and felt like good quality products and they were very competitively priced as well. So yeah, look, look forward to seeing those coming to market. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that I looked at and they, they did the kits with, you know, a couple of lights with the stands and umbrellas and stuff like that. And I think they're about 240 quid for sort of basic start kit with that. I thought That's, that doesn't seem too bad for lights. I mean, it's one of those things that I don't have the room for and I, I wouldn't use. But, it, but at the same time, I, it did make me think, oh, I wish I did have the room for because I could, I could have some real fun knocking around with that stuff. So <laughs> it was just it was nice to see Patterson there and Brian doing stuff because you, they, whilst they're still very much making all of their old stuff, it, it's good to see them broadening, broadening the range and, and keeping themselves a good viable business as well. So, yeah, nice to see them there and have a chat to them. Absolutely. All right, so you just said a couple of minutes ago that you didn't buy any cameras, and that's true, but you did buy something, didn't you? I did, yes. So whilst desperately looking around for something to to make me feel better about being in this show of digital extremes, um, we ended up at the stall uh, for RK Photographic, which is um, a UK-based supplier of um, photography accessories. They do all sorts of stuff. Um including film they they sell film and i bought there and i'm very excited about this first of all i bought a couple of um packs of 35 millimeter foma pan i've never tried foma pan before so i thought well why oh, it's not good stuff it's good stuff it was really they were selling it really really cheap as well um this was my, my big motivator um i think it was it was certainly uh under four pounds for a roll of film um i can't remember it was about three pounds sixty something so i bought a couple of rolls of um foma pan uh 100 
The thing that I'm really excited about, though, is, again, because it was cheap, because I was like, oh, I'm just going to buy this because I'm here, I have bought 50 sheets of 4x5 foam of ham 100 as well um, to go in Ronald. So um, I am, yeah, very excited about that. And also, they, um, the very nice lady on the uh, RK Photograph stand who was talking to me uh, and Neil. I think Neil had been there before. She recognized Neil um, from, I think, last year. So Neil obviously has a reputation for hanging around these places. Um, she's talking about the fact that she's used um, the Foma pan uh, quite a lot in um, pinhole cameras. Um, so I might have a go at doing some more homemade uh, pinhole cameras with the Foma pan. Um, but uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, like I said, just a lot of people very enthusiastic about the hobby. And she gave me a couple of free rolls of like nearly expired film as well. So it was great. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to RK Photographic. Uh, they're definitely worth checking out if you need to buy some film because I think the prices on the Foma pan, even just the usual prices online are, are very, very reasonable. Um, and yeah, for somebody who needs to learn how to use a 4x5 camera, um, I think the 50 sheets of film was 27 pounds, something around bad, it? that. It's really, really cheap. So I'm very, very excited to get and play with that at some point soon. Okay. Uh, all right, Ronald, gird your loins because there's some film coming your way. Um, and last but not least, actually, well, at least of the things that we've written down at the moment, uh, Instax, actually, there was a big presence from Instax, including uh, uh, not the square camera <laughs> no no we we wandered onto the stand it was very big and bright and colorful and um there were two uh, very nice people there taking photographs of those wandering by um we we got our picture taken together which we did share on instagram at the time um i, rem- but- I remember you being quite upset that neil didn't ask you to autograph it yeah, well, you know, I mean, his his missed opportunity. Sorry, Neil. You know, I was there, and he he could have could have grabbed it, but you know, um, but um, no, we did ask them about the square, and they were incredibly cagey. They they were, weren't they? In a very nice way. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so have you seen the film? Ah, uh, all we know is it's coming out. Was it? They said spring. I think spring was. I I didn't uh, walk away from that stand with a confident feeling of when it was coming out. To be honest, yeah. Uh, and I said, "Oh, have you seen the camera?" Uh, and the look that crossed, um, I believe it was Sarah's face, it was the person we were talking to, uh, very much indicated to me that yes, she had seen it, but no, she was not going <laughs> to um, admit to having seen it. So, well, that's, uh, we that's shall better see. than not having seen it. So that proves it might actually be real. Yeah, yeah, but um, no, they they would not let anything slip, so no news from that. But the one people, the one peoples, the one person uh, that you did miss off the list that we did go and see that did have a camera there that was New Aid. I mean, and really, it was kind of like the big slash only significant thing there for analog photography was, of course, the Lomography. Yeah, they've got another new camera hat, haven't they? Which actually could be interesting. Yeah, they they have they announced it. I think the Thursday um, last week. So it's not last week. It's two weeks ago now, isn't it? Just before the show, um, the Lomo Instant Automat Glass, uh, which is basically the same as the ordinary Automat, but it has a glass lens um, and some cool eighty styling going on. Some eighty styling going. On. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is that the camera I want to talk about a little bit later um, 
this Nikon uh, L35 is a very 80s camera and it looks so much like the uh, Automat. I mean, the Automat, I'm sure, as with all the other um, Lomo Automat cameras, it's going to come out in a range of um, colors and finishes. But this one is like black and red and it it does just look, it looks like... um, the sort of the Terminator time span of uh, <laughs> cameras, um, but no, it's cool. Lomography had a good size stand there, didn't they? And they had all sorts of stuff on it. They, um, they did, yeah, yeah. They they seem to be carrying quite a range of cameras and quite a range of films and and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, another one that was dis- distinctly analogish. Yeah, uh, although I have to say the most of the activity I saw there was um, digital shooters wanting to come and try out the um, Petzval and Daguerreotype lenses on their cameras. They had both of those there, those beautiful brass lenses. Um, And yes, that seemed to be where most of the action was. But uh, there were a few things there which I could have quite easily been tempted by if I had a bulging wallet full of cash. Um, (laughs) They they had uh, Instax backs for the Lomo LCA, that was quite tempting. Um, I thought, oh, yeah, maybe that'll make me like my Lomo a little bit more. Um, so they had those there. They also had the, um, is it the Bel Air? The, um, no, their they're 6x12 folder. Yeah, I yes, quite the like Bel-Air. the look of that. They, 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 I did quite the And they also had that with an Instax back for it as well. I thought, oh, that could be great fun. Um, but they, they, it's quite a lot of money. Um, and yeah, they, and I got to have a look at the um, uh, Automat. Um, and I, I, like that. I liked the style of it. It was quite funny. And they would probably not appreciate me sharing this from the guy there, um, whose name regretfully I didn't catch. But he said, oh, I'll take a picture with it. Went, oh, cool. So he'd snap the shot off and it did not come out at all. It's like, well, it's a prototype. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it, it looks nice. And um, I think the cost of it's going to be about £179 um, when it comes out. And I think it's coming out pretty darn soon as well. They're taking pre-orders for it now. Um, so that makes it very competitive with what's already out there. Uh, it's certainly cheaper than the Softwort. Does the Softwort have a glass lens, do you know, Aid? Uh, I don't, but I don't think it does. No, and anyway, it's it seems nice. Um, it's quite tempting. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't have an Instax Mini camera at the moment, and that. Oh, well, you're welcome uh, to borrow mine. <laughs> oh, yeah, I might do that. I might do that. But yeah, I like it. I like the style of it. It's nice. It's got a nice finish to it. Um, and whether the glass lens is going to make a huge amount of difference, you know, probably not. But it's a nice thing, and I'm sure it will do well. I'm sure the pre-orders have gone well. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to claim the last word on this show, on this uh, uh, on this segment. Um, I want to say thank you because you actually gave me my ticket. Uh, and so thank you for taking me out on a, a lovely day trip. And, uh, you know, it was great to, to see the show, to catch up with Neil, uh, to look at all the lighting equipment. All the lighting equipment was awesome. And we will do a show on that all on its own at some point. Um, and I insist that it is good for analog photography because there's a lot of continuous light there these uh, and actually some surprisingly good um a rate good range of, of kit a good and good range of prices as well so 
for everybody that's into film photography rather than digital photography, I think there's still good reason to go there. And that's the last thing that either of us are going to say on that because we're going to move on now. Because I... <laughs> straight after this break, <laughs> the good reason to go there was because we were there right at the end. <laughs> So I got lucky this weekend. And Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, well, I... <laughs> okay, let's start that again. So I was very fortunate this weekend uh, in that I had a weekend away at a place where uh, people say there's really good light uh, and the place that is undeniably um, quite photogenic. Um, I was lucky enough to have a weekend away in Venice and uh, that. Uh, I have to say, uh, was pretty awesome, uh, even from a uh, and and from a photography point of view as well. Uh, so I'm really really pleased to have come back here and think, okay, there's a couple of rolls of film that's gone straight off to the lab as a result of that. Very nice. Was the weather good whilst you were out there? Uh, yeah, actually, we we were um, we were quite fortunate with that. So I mean, give, give listeners a, a, a an understanding. In the UK at the moment, it's it's hit it's what hit it in fifteen, sixteen, if you're lucky at the moment. Uh, and uh, in Venice, it was more like twenty. Um, That's so, pretty good. Yeah, it was it was good walking around in a t-shirt weather you know and yeah. sitting outside and having a cup of coffee or a, a beer or whatever with your lunch and uh yeah it was good good fun um, i've never been to venice before so that was uh that was great no i i have been once but i think i was 13 years old at the time um the only real memory that sticks there for me i remember being very hot and um i remember buying an ice cream and then the ice cream sliding off onto the floor and splatting uh i think it's one of those traumatic memories that will be forever burnt <laughs> on my brain um the question i always have especially about somewhere like venice which is um you know it, there's not a lot of space to wander around you know it's, it's it's narrow streets and you know and obviously apart from the big squares and stuff is how how do you go about trying to capture pictures that um reflect you more than um you know just capturing the scenes that you may have seen a lot of times before because it's a very photographed city obviously and um how how do you go about getting those photographs that you haven't already seen before uh, it's a really good question so uh i mean i guess it started off by you know, uh, before I went and, and thinking, OK, so this did to, to be clear, this wasn't a photography trip. This was a weekend away with my wife and most importantly, uh, without the kids as well. So, uh, you know, this was not a, a, a weekend for me to really, really focus on photography. So I whittled it down to one thirty five mil SLR and my new 24 mil lens, because I figured, as you've just said, and you're absolutely right, the walls are quite close together in Venice. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it, there's there's uh, some quite narrow alleyways and, and, and um, you know, so I thought, OK, well, I'll take a wide angle lens. And and the first thing, actually, that, that grabbed my attention, which was not about taking photos of the big squares and, and, and all of that um, was actually texture. 
it's a fantastic place for people who like to have a lot of texture in their photographs because a lot of the buildings, yeah, the outsides of the buildings are run down and the paint is peeling and it's, it's the stonework, but it's dirty and then there'll be some flashes of coloured paint and things like that. So it's a fantastic place for textures. So that's one way you can make a difference. You can take photographs as texture rather than touristy sites. Um, the, the other thing I think was is more about trying to be using that wide angle lens to be in the thick of stuff. So instead of trying to display the architecture, as it were, um, try and get in the thick of it and have things going on in the background. You know, like a you know, a gondolier sitting having a cigarette in between jobs or, a, uh, you know, or, or try and show the, the huge numbers of people that are milling around and how crazy it is. Um, uh, and stuff like that and 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 taking photos of little alleyways rather than you know big you know big tourist sites so so i did try to take something a bit different uh, i haven't had haven't had the films back yet so uh, only got back yesterday so uh, we'll have to see what comes up but i i did enjoy it from a photography point of view um, that sounds very cool did you go on a gondola uh, no, we didn't. Um, uh, but i am absolutely now a fan of uh, motorboat taxis <laughs> So you, I can't believe you went to mention didn't go on a gondola. I mean, there are some cliches that you have to actually do. Um, mm, I don't know. Ne- neither of us are really into cliched stuff. We were quite happy. We saw lots of gondolas and we like talking to each other. Said, do you want a gondola ride? We're like, nah, not really. Yeah, let, let's go and do something else instead. So, um, but you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a fantastic place to visit. Plenty to take photographs of. One of the, the one of the challenges I did find actually was um, one of my things, I guess, as a photographer, especially with the landscapes, is to shoot into the sun, um, or if not, you know, have the sun in the frame, but shoot up sun, as it were. Um, and that's quite tricky in Venice because the the alleyways are so narrow that, that sometimes there's not a lot of direct sunlight. And it was really noticeable when you walked down an alleyway and it was just aligned right. So the shun, sun was shining down it. Um, and I tried to take advantage of that. Um, or, although, to be honest, if the sun was shining down your alleyway, you were most likely to get knocked over by all the other people around. <laughs> um, it was, yes, that was a bit of a challenge because it's not something... Um, uh, I'm used to being able to decide where the sun is in my frame and how it features. Uh, so that made it a bit of a challenge. Uh, but uh, yeah, a, a good, enjoyable, touristy weekend away, taking hopefully one or two interesting shots. And what was your favourite thing about Venice? That's a good question. Other than the motorboat taxis. Yeah. <laughs> Was it ice creams? Uh, uh, actually, yeah, the ice cream was all right. Um, I mean, it was nice enough, but no, I think. Um, do you know what? I think the restaurants. Uh, we were there for two nights, and we went out to dinner um, each night. And I think, uh, you know, just the atmosphere, pretty relaxed, but really nice food uh, and stuff like that. I think that that's probably it. Um, I mean, beyond that, seeing the famous things was good, but you know, um, you can see famous things on the internet, can't you? <laughs> I can't argue with that. <laughs> so yeah, so that 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 was it. So yes, um, uh, and in a really clunky segue, um, uh, I have to say that Venice is somewhat east of here, um, and <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I noticed that uh, the uh, the next item on our show notes is entitled "East of Here." 
Yeah, I need to talk about this because I um, got home ooh, a couple of days ago and on my doorstep, um, amongst the piles of junk mail I consistently get and the occasional bill, there was a parcel, an unexpected parcel. Uh, and I opened it up and was very pleased to find that um, Eric uh, at Load Film and Subdued Light had very kindly sent me a copy of his new zine. We had Eric on. It wasn't long ago, was it? Was it three weeks, I think, since we had Eric on? Let me just have a quick look. Can't, can't um, remember it, but it wasn't long ago, certainly. 20, 28th of February. So, yeah, a month ago we had Eric on and he was talking about putting a zine together. And here we are now at the end of March and the zine is together and out the door and done. And... Um, and I just wanted to talk about it quickly because uh, I, I bought Eric's previous G, um, zine, uh, which is called A Conspiracy of Cartographers. Um, and this one is uh, A Conspiracy of Cartographers, issue two, east of here. Um, and I, yeah, the, the first zine is a nice, it's as Eric described in the when he was on the show, it's um, a, a chapbook, I think was the description he used. It's on every page there's one picture and a little bit of detail about the camera used and where it is and um it's nice um and you know i like eric's work a lot um and i really like the pictures he's sharing but that's kind of all that it is and i have to say the the step up on almost every level to this second scene is quite spectacular um for a start just the basic um quality and production is like significant it's a really nice glossy well-produced scene um it's twice the size height wise of the other one as well which is nice but what i really like about it is that it's not just photographs um there's eric's writing is throughout it um and it's a, a mixture of stuff in some cases he's talking about the film that he's using for the shot in some cases he's talking about um where the shot was uh, sometimes he's found articles relating to these places um and as the zine progresses uh, the pages gradually get more and more stuff on them and they get more and more chaotic as you get through so by the time you get to the end of the zine there's like all sorts of stuff in different like fonts and it's it's really hard to describe, um, but I really, really like it. Um, if you like Eric's work at all, um, I highly recommend you check it out because, like I said, it, it is more than just a photo book. Um, the the way he's put it together, the stuff that's in here, um, it's all really interesting. There's a lot to dig into here. Um, and I just really like I. I I really like the way he's put it together. Um, you know, there's literally paragraphs overlapping paragraphs as you get towards the end. And um, yeah, nice and chaotic, just the way I like it. And the pictures are fantastic. Really nice selection of pictures. Um, it's something that I'm going to be delving into for quite some time because there's just loads of bits and pieces in there. And he knocked this out in three weeks. Um, how... And in fact, I think he sent me a message saying that it was basically a few days worth of actual work. I think he said he actually put it together in about three days, uh, which is quite spectacular. But yes, um, East of Here by Eric at Load Film and Subdued Light and his um, Etsy store uh, 
God, what is his Etsy store called? Can you remember it? Oh, well, no one must. No, 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 no point on. asking me. No, hang on a second. <laughs> no. Let me see if we can just bring it up very quickly. Well, I tell you what. Over. While you do that, I, while you do that, I will say. I mean, this sounds pretty awesome. Um, and uh, you know, I'm quite. I am impressed in uh, the speed it, it's arrived at. Um, uh, we've been talking about 27Zine now for a little while, um, and uh, we have yet to do anything about that at all. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but we're getting there. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we actually we have, some, we have some plans, don't we, that we're going to start looking into. So watch this space. <laughs> we have some plans we're going to start looking into. That sounds <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> We have some theories about some plans that at some point we might start looking into. Yes, but clearly if it's only three days' work uh, to produce a really good one, then we can wait for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we don't want to rush into these things. <laughs> no, and we wouldn't want to cloud. Yeah, we wouldn't want to cloud. You know, uh, Eric's release by with one of our own, would we? Yes. No, no, we we certainly wouldn't. You know, um, although now Eric's shown us what he's capable of, he's absolutely being roped into dealing with this. So <laughs> that'll learn him. Yeah, I can't I can't find what Eric's story is at the moment. But if you if you go on to um, his Instagram feed, which is as I keep saying at Load Film and Subdued Light, um, I'm sure there's a link there to it. And um, at the very least, check it out because uh, yeah, I, I I really like it. I'm not just saying it because it's Eric. I just I I really like the way he's put it together. Um, and for such a quick turnaround, it's just a, a, a nice thing to have. So well done, Eric. Yeah. Very Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so uh, this is a good opportunity, I guess, to update on projects of our own, I suppose, isn't it? Um, it certainly is. Uh, is this going to be uh, you know, Guinness World Record for shortest update ever? <laughs> or have we actually got something to say? I, I think you have got something to say, haven't you? Have I? Yeah, yeah because we haven't spoken about um, the results from your shot with Cole. Oh, I can't blimey! That's yes. This is what happens when, when, uh, yeah, things get away from you, and you have to have so a catch-up episode. This uh, happens yeah. when you're old and your memory fails on you. Uh, well, there's probably an element of that as well. Uh, to be fair, um, uh, so uh, yeah, there, there's definitely uh, uh, something to be said for for um, recapping. <laughs> Quick, quick regroup. <laughs> but the, uh, so yeah, the, convers uh, the the shoot I did with Carl. So this is the Chain Reaction Project, of course. Um, and I was very pleased to to be able to meet up with uh, with Cole Miller, um, variously known on the internet as Obi Cole Kenobi or CD Miller Photos. Uh, and yet again, I find myself, uh, you know, having as my photographic subject somebody who is, uh, well, I suppose we could call Cole a semi-professional photographer because he's certainly done plenty of paid work, but it's not something that he does, uh, has his only source of income. Uh, but Cole, again, very gracious, uh, as a lot of photographers are, I'm finding, very gracious uh, being on the other side of the camera, uh, which I think he felt uh, a little bemused by, but in in a good-natured way. Um, uh, and I think he enjoyed it. Uh, so we have, uh, anybody who wants to see these uh, can have a look at our Flickr group, the Sunny 16 podcast Flickr group, uh, or failing that, um, my own Flickr account, which is A968. 
and uh, yeah, there's uh, ooh, I was going to say half a dozen, but actually I think it's five photos of Cole there. Um, he came with props. He brought a ukulele, not a ukulele. I keep getting that wrong. <laughs> he brought a mandolin. He was going to bring a ukulele, but at the last minute, uh, I think his daughter said, "No, Daddy, I'm playing with that." <laughs> so, so he brought a mandolin and a, a hat and uh, a, a willingness to cooperate, and we had a great time. Actually, it's good, good fun, and I'm. I'm pleased with the photos, uh, and I hope Collie's too. Um, uh, the 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 acid test, of course, of all of these is uh, is Mrs. Cole happy with the photos, and I haven't had a report back on that yet. So. Okay, I'm because I haven't actually seen these pictures yet, so I'm just going to no, go. Have and, you not? All right. No, I haven't. Uh, I think they're in our Flickr group. I think I posted them oh, to our Flickr group. Oh, yeah, I found them now. I certainly have. Yep, Cole in his hat with his mandolin. Uh, no, they're cool. You found another. London does seem as though it's almost like a um, film set, just waiting for somebody to come and occupy a space on it. There does seem to. You found another, some more cool locations. Yeah. Uh, so this was. So yeah, I was talking to Carl. And I said, "Well, have you got anything particularly you'd like as a concept?" Uh, and he said, um, quite helpfully, he said he thought about that for a bit, and he said. How about uh, if I bring my favourite hat, a ukulele, and we take the shots outside my favourite cinema? <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, they're good. No, they're, they're... <laughs> it's good. I, I like them a lot. Yeah. I, I'm less convinced about Cole's favourite hat, uh, I'll be honest. Um, I, no, I, I hats, like the one... I find, are a very personal thing, aren't they? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I like there's a, there's a shot um, where he's um, in in front of his favourite cinema, uh, as you mentioned, and looking at, or well, in front of the posters, and there's a sign above his head which says membership equals cinematic happiness, and the look on his face just in no way matches cinematic <laughs> happiness. It know, looks more cinematic ennui. I'm glad you it. noticed that, though, because I saw that sign and I deliberately included it in the composition. That is no accident that that is there. <laughs> it's uh, great. I, I like it a lot. Um <laughs> And the, I really like just probably my favourite a lot is probably just the really straight portrait um, in some um, in front of some Chinese takeaway or something like that. But it's just a very simple straight on portrait, but it's just a really nice light and um, captured him really nicely in that. And he's not wearing his hat. So that's uh, good. That, that'll, yeah, be like the, that'll be the one for Mrs. Cole, sure. For yeah, sure. absolutely. But no, I really like them. And uh, yeah, and I like the one of him. Is he good at playing the mandolin? Uh, no, I don't think he can play it at all. Actually, I think he can. I think he borrowed it from a friend. <laughs> um, but having said that, I, um, yeah, he does play. I think the ukulele. So uh, that was that, which was his first choice. But being being a generous daddy, he he let his daughter play with it rather than bring it out to a photo shoot. Yeah, uh, it's it's very cool. It's very cool. It's interesting because now you've basically got three three of your subjects, uh, not only men, uh, but also men shot in London at night. So. You, you're getting into a real niche with this. I, I am. I mean, that, that that's purely accident of, of logistics uh, rather than by design. Um, you know, the, the three men that you're referring to, uh, of course, are Cole, Gavin and Rob. Um, and they all happen to uh, work in London, as do I. And so the thing is, meet up after work. Um, it's going to change a bit, though, uh, because, of course, it won't be night time anymore. Because that we record this as we record this at the end of March, we're now on British summer time, and so uh, I'm hopeful that we can get some with some nice sunsets in and things like that. You know, some some nice coloured sky as the background to a portrait that always works a treat. 
Um, so yeah, I'm 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 pleased with that. I, I do, there's definitely a learning point for me though in the results of this. So it's it's good that you reminded me that I hadn't spoken about this. Um, I shot this with speed lights uh, rather than my uh, LED lights. Uh, and that created uh, both opportunity and challenge, as they say. <laughs> um, the opportunity is it's much easier to take a true uh, environmental portrait uh, when your lights are so powerful they can be much further away. Right? Yeah. So you know some of the, you know some of the shots I'm taking here, the the lights are uh, ten, twelve feet away. In fact, that one you said that you liked uh, the fairly the, the fairly straight portrait. I suspect the lights are a good 15 feet away. Um, yeah. I had a, uh, did I have a bounce umbrella? I think I had, uh, oh no, so it's one light and it was a very small soft box, you know, the sort of the Velcro's on the head of a speed light and gives you a sort of 10 by eight, you know, kind of soft box screen. So that's which is why some of the shadows are a bit harsh. Um, but I was able to put that quite a long way away. Uh, but the downside is is that I, my keeper rate was far lower because I, there was somewhere I, you know even though I metered every setup uh, there was some you know the the the, the blending of the uh, the ambient light and the flash I got wrong in a good number of a good number of times so there were you know and uh, I was very glad that the ones that were keepers had been scanned as tiffs rather than jpegs so there's another lesson if you're going to do a film photography sh photo shoot with flash make sure you get um uh, non-lossy file formats back from your lab <laughs> because if that had been J jpegs and that exposure had been baked in uh i'd have had to th to have them rescanned uh, but because they were TIFFs, some of those highlights were recoverable and and, um, uh, and I managed to keep photographs that I wouldn't have otherwise had. So that was a lesson, uh, a good lesson for me. I think next time I would go out with um, uh, faster film and continuous lights rather than slower film and speed lights. Although it was nice to shoot in colour. Yeah, yeah. No, the looks the the color works really well. I I absolutely think that if that had been done in black and white, it wouldn't have looked as good. The color really added to those pictures, so I think it looks cool. I'm always amazed that you're prepared to cart that stuff around um, a busy city environment at night and set up uh, uh, shots like that. You know, we've got to have quite a bit of space to do it whilst people are milling around. Um, well, yeah, hey, I, tell you what, mate, you'd be proud of me. I use my tripod. Uh, yeah, you used it as a light stand. You're a bad person. <laughs> the end um but no i i think they came up very well and it's, it's interesting hearing you say that about how you found it harder with the um flash rather than the continuous lighting it, it does seem as though the modern led continuous lights really are a great solution for people shooting film um they really uh get around the problem of um as, well, as you were saying with this, the fact that because it's a bit hard to predict with flash exactly how it's going to work of, of losing a lot of photos. So you really can shoot in a much more confident way with um, constant light sources. So uh, that's that is a great thing about modern technology, making it easier and easier because those are getting smaller, lighter and cheaper all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it, of course, the, another way of doing it is to just simply uh, use a digital camera as a very sophisticated light meter. Um, but the 
yeah, traveling light as I did, I had one camera, one lens, uh, one speed light, you know, uh, and uh, that that made uh, what one light meter, one flash meter, I should say, um, uh, and that was all great. Uh, but definitely, um, I, I would I wouldn't say that the the shoot was harder. What I would say uh, is because it doesn't take more than a few seconds to meter something and change the settings. Um, uh, but what I would say is that the the yeah the shoot was the same, but the outcome was a little bit more varied. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's I suppose it's one of those things about shooting film. You never know quite what you're going to get out of the other end. So it's Absolutely. what keeps it interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's enough about me and my photography project updates. Uh, what about you and some of our friends? Well, I'm doing okay. I got the roll of film from February. Yeah, it was February. I'm so far behind with some of this stuff. Um, I got the roll of film that I shot in February, developed and scanned in, and I've started sharing those very slowly. I think I've got one up on Instagram so far, um, but I have just shoved a couple more up on Instagram on um, my SmugMug site so you could see them. And I was quite pleased with how they came out. There's someone there that I like, again, um, because I did shoot multiple shots in a couple of scenes and I've got a roll of 24 exposures and I need to use 14 of them. That did mean that there was a little bit tight this month sort of selecting, okay, these are the 14 that I'm going to use because I think there were about four or five shots that I took whilst I was out at um, a gig where a friend's band was playing. And I was mucking around with, well, I don't, they're all actually very similar shots. So I'm only going to pick one of these, but that really limits how many more I've got to pick. Um, but no, I, like I said, the ones I've shared for you to see, so the first one was taken actually at my camera club. Um, that, that's the uh, some of the old, um, uh, well, they are old, so I'm not going to feel bad about saying it. But some of the old camera club guys there stood around chatting, um, good and blurry, Um the second one, and this is something I quite like from this, and I'm hoping that this next role this month is going to get more of this stuff. It's um, so it's taken in one of the gardens I work in. It was a really nice sunny day, and the colours really, for me, worked in this because you've got a nice blue sky and the green of the grass and then this yellow flowers that were out. And, of course, it's all super blurry. Um, but... I think that the, the springtime is going to be great for this kind of stuff. It 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 has that sort of um, Monet Monet. Is that how you say that word? Monet Monet. I would say, I would say Monet, but I think but you you've picked exactly what I was going to say actually. So my my comment was going to be it has a really impressionistic feel to it. There's like a textured overlay. It's not just out of focus. There's like texture overlaid on it, and it has a. And it's got you know, a very impressionistic look about it, which is great. Yeah, and there's there's a couple of shots on there which get this sort of feel. And the uh, Agfa Vista film really likes sunlight. It really likes nice bright days. And um, it, when you get really nice sunny days, it, you can get some really good punchy colour out of that one pound film. Um, so, yeah, I was pleased with that. Um I think the next one, the next one I just, uh, the reason I started is because that, the um, bokeh from that lens can be real weird. Um, that's a, just a picture of some trees in the distance. But um, yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? I don't, know what, <laughs> I don't know what you make of that. But it's kind of an incredible swirl. Um, the 
the bokeh on the lens tends to be um, almost elliptical, isn't it? It is. It's it's um, it's quite uh, yes. It, it'll make your your lamography lenses look like they're not really trying. I think. <laughs> Yeah, it gives it gives quite a weird effect in places. It's almost like the feathers on a bird's neck or something. So that's that's quite fun. And um, yeah, and the last one was shooting my friend's band night, and um, that that was okay. It, I wasn't I, I wasn't thrilled with any of the pictures I got from that, but they were okay. I mean, I I dropped the shutter speed right down because I thought, well, motion blur really is not a thing to worry about because everything else is out of focus. Um, but it ended up being not enough of one thing or the other for me i think maybe if there'd been more motion blur maybe if i dropped the shutter speed down more i might have liked the pictures more if there was more movement but um it's okay you know it was fun. i'm actually quite tempted to try and get out and do some real low light photography with it um just going for some real long shutter speeds and see how that goes because i'm um getting close to the end of this month and so far i've managed to hit my target of getting the roll of film finished within the month um for the last three rolls but we're on the 27th now, which means I have what four days left. Is that <laughs> right? It's my last well, three 27th days left. is nearly finished. Yeah. So you've yeah, got three yeah. days left. Now you've got um, four days left. You, you, even after today, you've got four days left. Oh, good few. Um, so I need to get my finger up because I think I'm maybe 10 shots into this role. So uh, I need to get my thumb from up my bum on that one. But um, it's 24 exposures. I'm sure I'll get there with it. But yeah, I'm still I'm enjoying doing it. And with every role that I get back, it gives me more of an idea about the kind of things that are working and the kind of things that I want to try going forward. So, you know, it, it progresses. I, I, I certainly don't love all 14 pictures that I've pulled out to share, um, but I like a couple of okay and um we will see what comes from next month's role it's very yeah, exciting absolutely i tell you what i i'm agreeing i agree with you completely about the color i think yes there these ones that i guess because maybe you're missing detail sometimes you can be missing contrast uh but of course if you add bright colors like you've done with this one with the flowers in the in the foreground then you're adding color contrast and that that makes um yeah that that makes a big difference uh there's one which i think is of a rake and a bonfire um, yes which uh, i i don't think i've seen before actually and and that's awesome because you've got these red they almost look like the the balls in a lava lamp they, yeah, the the way the 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 out of focus lens has treated the the burning embers of the fire um and it, it and it looks like you know you've got a sort of you know uh attack of a, a mutant alien lava lamp going on <laughs> it's just, actually that's a really poor description it looks a lot better than that but the, like the, a great movie though it, attack of the mutant alien lava lamp sounds like a film i would like to see <laughs> but the the color contrast makes a real difference so yeah um, yeah well uh, bring on the sunshine months then and um and, and all the different colors yeah, it should be. There's, there's plenty of stuff. That's the, that's the nice thing about um, being a gardener at this time of year is that um, it's it's all looking great. All the spring blossom is coming out, and the gardens are all getting moving, and we've got some really nice blue skies, and it's a it's a fantastic time to be a gardener. So. All right. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. So, okay. Well, that's you and me, but I think some of our friends have got some project updates. Yeah. They certainly have. They certainly have. First off, because I know that um, Bill Owens, our wonderful scribe, has been amazingly consistent, continuing to, with his Words 100 project. Um, 
And so this is where every week, I think, yes, it is every week, Bill is taking one of his photographs and then writing a 100-word story to go with it. Um, and I've been terrible because I, I don't check it up enough. But Bill has kept going every week with this um so he's now done how many stories has he done it's 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 quite a lot well it's it's months worth at this point um and i, I really love the pictures that bill's sharing and i've actually just brought his um website up which is words 100.blogspot.co.uk um, if you're in the uk or dot whatever it is if you're not in the uk what is it if you're elsewhere do you know this it just uh, dot com just say just type com. in blogspot and it sorts out at the end a bit itself yeah um but no they're great it's funny last time we talked about this um i said oh you know the great thing is that the stories are all um great and you know they're very different they're all different things and i read through them again afterwards and went hmm they are all very different although all of them do have a slight like um Ah, I'm not quite sure what the word is. It's like dark edge to, to all of them. It's quite, so, no, I haven't read through the more recent ones, which I will be doing after the show today. Uh, I look forward to seeing whether that continues. I suspect it may well do. I think that may just be an indication of Bill's um, Bill's uh, writing style, is that things have a just a slight sting in the tail with them. But no, that's great. I'm so impressed that he gets that done every week. Um, the other person there's a couple of other people um one we talked about right at the beginning of this uh is um derek sykes um whose instagram handle is um oh crikey uh on twitter it's, uh, you know what i'll find it at the end of he's, the thing yeah, on one of them he's derek von evil or something like that isn't he it's derek von evil on Flickr and derek j photo on instagram and possibly on twitter as well um we'll, we will have it we are actually going to be getting up to date with our show notes soon so um but anyway <laughs> shut at you <laughs> um uh but um derek's dropped me a line very recently and i'll actually just read his email um hello guys thought i'd check in and let you know how my 2017 project is going originally i had placed the timeline on the project so that i could work each record as an assignment so derek's plan was that he was going to pick i think his six um, six of his favorite records um, and then essentially take photos which represent for him each track on the album um, not necessarily directly but something which sums up so he makes like an album of images for each album anyway with that thought in mind um, it turns out that creatively speaking deadlines and assignments are creativity killers I have been taking a lot of photos, but my workflow is much choppier than I would like due to other facets of my life taking up time. In yeah, this time, with, with you on that one, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what he's been doing. I built two custom motorcycles and working on two more with friends in a workspace I'm renting. So he's been quite busy. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, uh, that uh, it's making me feel even more guilty for the fact that my motorbike is sat filthy underneath the tarp in my garage at the moment. Um, I've decided to focus on Blonde on Blonde since it's the 50th, 50th anniversary of the record. Holy moly, 50th anniversary of Blonde on Blonde. How old do you feel now thinking about that, Aid? Because that's 
that does not feel so, like that. So I get away with this one a little bit, actually, because uh, the big Dylan fan in our household when I was growing up was my dad. So I was like, yeah, that, that's fine, because that's probably about right. Yeah, <laughs> he would have come out when my dad was in his early 20s. So I'm all, I'm all right with that. Yeah. The um, zine slash book will not be a literal visual translation of each track, but will explore themes from the lyrics. Once that is in the can, I may move on to another record. No matter what, I will still produce something with images not previously published in any form of digital format, and the images will be scans on scans of analog prints, not digital prints from scan negatives. So um, I, I think that's great. It's it's interesting how these projects they have to morph and. Um, it's really easy to come up with great ideas for projects, but seeing them through is always the hardest part. And that's why we decided to do this, to kind of keep on each other's backs about this. Um, and I think what Derek's done is the smartest thing. In, instead of going, I'm not getting this done, I'm just going to bin it. He's just rationalized it to actually what's going to work for me um, and what can I get out of it. Um, and I'm still very excited to see what comes from this so as soon as we hear as soon as Derek has got something together that we can actually share with you and say what it is and where it is we will let you know but I'm really pleased to hear because we hadn't heard anything at all actually since the beginning of the year so I'm really pleased that he is still pushing ahead with it um so that's great and then Eric's um sorry Derek's written some other stuff but we'll talk about that bit later when we cover some other emails we've had so um that's great and um the last one I just wanted to mention just because I've seen some stuff recently is that um David Weevil Knievel uh, is definitely pushing ahead with his tin type project. I've seen some um, very cool pictures of what he's been up to and uh, the materials he's been getting together. So, yeah, everybody who at the beginning of the year said they were going to do stuff is still cracking on with it. I'm very impressed with this. So far, nobody, not even us from our little group, has fallen <laughs> off. Actually, you know what? There is one exception, Aid. There's one exception to somebody who said they were going to do a thing and then didn't do a thing. Can you guess who that one exception is? Dave? Dave, yes. Now, uh, more recent listeners will not have come across Dave. They'd have to dig back in the podcast archives. But our good friend Dave joined us on the podcast when we decided we were going to do these projects. And Dave said that his project was the incredibly easy and low-impact project of making some um, long-term pinhole cameras that he was going to put up and leave in place and do solography with. And uh, he didn't even get that far with it. So for shame, David, for shame. Um, but he is at least getting back into photography again now after taking, I think, a few months off to concentrate on his pottery. So it's all good. All good. All right. Well, welcome back to the, the land of capturing light there, Dave. Oh, I mean, so many updates today. Right. We're going to take a quick break and come back probably with even more updates. <laughs> Right, next on the list for an update is the Cheap Shots Challenge. Um, I really must learn to say that <laughs> properly. Cheap Shots Challenge. And I haven't even been drinking. Not a drop of whiskey has passed these lips this evening. More's the pity. Anyhow, quick update on this. So you will remember, dear listeners, that Graham and I decided that uh, events uh, was way too hard. Um, and uh, we let everybody, apart from ourselves, off. Uh, but we decided that the 
photography show was going to be a shootout for that topic. Of course, we've now included Neil in that because we met up with Neil. Neil had uh, some sort of Russian camera, I think, with a, a pinhole, a Russian SLR with a pinhole rather than a uh, rather than a lens, I think, didn't he, Graham? Yes, he was shooting with a converted Zenit, um, which he'd made into a pinhole camera. He's uh, he's currently working a lot with pinhole, and um, so he decided that this was going to be his weapon of choice, going around handhold pinhole shots. And he's actually shared some of this stuff up on Flickr already, because he's way ahead of the game than we are. <laughs> and there's actually some really good shots. I really like some of them. I'm looking at a picture now, a pinhole picture handheld, um, which I can just about make out is of... Um, Princess Leia and I suspect Darth Vader surrounded by stormtroopers. Uh, this is on Flickr. It might be on Instagram as well. If you look for Neil Piper on Flickr, you will find his picture. It's pretty great. Pretty uh, great. Yes, it is. It's on. I'm looking at it right now on Instagram, actually. So yes. So, all right. So so Neil's clearly in the lead for the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get well. on? Uh, we we split up, didn't we? Went off and spent an hour each trying to find photos. How did you get on? We did well. I um I I searched for the light actually. So I have uh, I believe I haven't had the film developed yet, but I have um a number of shots of. Uh, people at the in the exhibition hall and what I chose to do because of course I was my, my camera is fairly limited on the amount of light it can capture um, with a, a, a maximum aperture of 5.6 <laughs> and uh, and only 200 speed film um, so I was looking to take advantage of all the stands that had lighting displays on them. So um, that that was my tactic for that. Uh, so hopefully something will come back. I did take a couple of the uh, Comic-Con folks as well, but I wasn't going for the stage shot front on that you know, many of the photographers I was trying to show you know what was happening if that makes any sense you know around yeah. the event you know that that there were people who were having their photo taken but there were people taking those photos and stuff like that but i have no idea what they look like yet um no that sounds good i um i struggled with it i i struggled to find inspiration on the day um i i didn't i don't know why but i didn't want to go and shoot the comic on people i don't know why that's very strange so i was just wandering around the show um at one point i thought maybe if i try and get a different angle on it that will help so I, I was crouched down on the floor to try and get a nice low angle shot. And I sort of slowly roll backwards through somebody's displaced and essentially there's like <laughs> one of these paper walls and I just went oh, maybe this will hold my weight as I roll back no I just kind of went through it and it all fell down a bit at which point I went um just walk away quietly walk away so that was good sorry whoever's um, display that was that I wrecked um I, I'll be honest it I'm not sure i love my camera it didn't it's i found the photo to camera even a mother would struggle to love i think the thing that is most or the thing that most frustrated me about it is the focusing which isn't great at the best times but i'd focus on something by you know half pressing down the button because it's an auto focus camera then i would move it to recompose and it would refocus no 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 don't do that i thought we'd all agreed some time ago that that's not how that works so I need to dig out the manual and see if there's some way I can not have that happen, um, because otherwise, how how do you how does one focus at an autofocus that won't lock on and stay locked on? Um, and also, even though I had much more sensibly on previous occasions stuck in some good old Ilford HP5, um, still the lens, the maximum aperture being f4.5, meant that in the 
um, indoor lighting conditions. You know, it's reasonably well lit in there. Obviously, it's a you know an expo, but it still dropped that shutter speed down pretty low sometimes. So um, I've got I've still got quite a lot of shots in the roll film to finish off. But yeah, my expectations of that are not great. I think Neil may walk this one with his pictures, or at least he's certainly going to kick my ass. And I'll see what you've got from that. Aid. Yeah, so that's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you're struggling, but you've got at least two stops extra than I've got to play with in that environment. But I guess the fact, I know a couple of things are working my favour. One is that my camera is tiny and light and therefore doesn't really have any judder. Uh, mm. Another is that because the negatives are small, my, my normal lens is actually only a 24mm. So that will help me a little bit as well in terms of shutter speed. Yeah, you know, what we need to do is we need to behave in the same way that Dave does, because Dave actually dropped around my house last week and um, he had his cheap shots camera with him because now that we've moved over to doing portraits, the next thing, that's something he's much more on board for. And I've had quite a few people saying they're quite excited about taking portraits. So that's great. Um, and Dave is shooting using a, uh, I guess it must be a 90s, early 90s, something like Minolta um slr there's quite a lot of control on it uh including the fact that you can set the iso on it so if you're using a film that's non um ds codes or whatever that's called um dx coded rather you can set the iso <laughs> and what i love is the fact that dave basically treats his film camera in the same way that a normal person treats a digital camera <laughs> so he'll go to look to take a shot go oh that that shutter speed's a bit low oh, i'll just change the iso from uh 400 <laughs> to a thousand like can you, can you just do that can you just <laughs> yeah i mean he's going to how the results turn out i don't know but he just changes the iso on his camera to get the result he wants and hopes that the film will cope with it um so that that could be quite interesting. Um, possibly it'd be easier to shoot in manual, wouldn't it? <laughs> just like I, I did say that too. Yeah, why don't you just change the shutter speed and aperture rather than changing the ISO every time? But um, you know, Dave likes to moonwalk into solutions slightly. <laughs> yeah, that's saying it. Yes. Okay. All right. So that was a cheap shots challenge on uh, the events. Uh, cheap shots challenge on portraits. Our current topic. Um, I, I, I'm hoping that some of the event photographs will also cl class as portraits. Um, and I'm probably going to take my camera on, uh, my next chain reaction shoot, although I'm going to have to organize that in the, in the very near term. Uh, although Rob Hawthorne texted me today and, and, and I think he's got some sort of Pentax six by seven he wants to test on me. So, um, uh, I might end up meeting up with Rob again soon. Uh, well, so, uh, but we should uh, mention that uh, uh, we have a new contestant, uh, the the proud owner of what looks uh, by the picture to be a really grotty fed too. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our friend uh, from Sweden, uh, Jonas. Um, now, I have no idea what the uh, conversion rate is, but I, I hope he's paid less than 20 quid for this camera by the looks of it. Uh, but he's paid 200 Swedish kroner. Can we allow that? sure i mean that could be monopoly money for all i know <laughs> that's either a million pounds or one pound who oh, knows indeed absolutely so uh all right well welcome to the uh the contest uh jonas and um uh good luck sir good luck right oh, blimey. i'm getting i'm getting puffed out with all the the the, <laughs> the, the these updates uh so let's let's talk about a camera for a minute then um uh, it uh, I know it's a Nikon, but then there's a fairly random collection of numbers and letters after it. So um, uh, why don't you fill us in? 
Okay, I just want to talk about this very briefly because it's one of these cameras I had a roll of film in since last summer and finally finished it. This is the point-and-shoot camera, the Nikon L35AF2. It's a camera that I got given quite a few years ago. I think it was a birthday present or something for my boys. And um, it's the one that I mentioned earlier. It looks a bit like the new uh, Lomography Automat thing. It's very... Um, cool and black and 80s um, it's got quite a nice weight and heft to it actually but I'd never got around to using it and then seeing the photographs by um, one of our Instagram friends Eddie uh, who's expert grain um, he has shared a lot of really beautiful landscape shots that he's taken with this point and shoot camera and so I thought okay I, I've got to crack this out and give it a go and I had a bit of a nightmare when loading this camera up in the first place. Um, the shutter counter didn't work properly and I ended up putting film in and pulling it all out. And then it's been a bit of a nightmare since then. I'm going to see, it probably won't do it now. I'm going to see if it does. Hang on a second. Let me just, let me see if I can get this to work. Uh, let's see if we get the shutter fire. Okay. <laughs> that, that's the shutter firing. That sounds um, more like a Nerf gun than a camera. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just going to carry on talking. Um, so I used it for a while um, last summer, particularly around the time where we were doing um, the uh, the Sunny 16 selfie thing. I thought, okay, I'm going to try and use this to take some selfies. Um, but one of the big problems <laughs> with this camera is that, um, you know, it's, it's a modern automatic um, camera. So obviously you heard the shutterfire then. What you haven't heard yet, I still haven't heard it. So I'm actually going to have to um, hang on one second. I'm going to womp this against my hand. <laughs> there you go. That's the film winding on, <laughs> which can take minutes after you've fired the shot. Um, so I didn't use it a great deal because of that problem. I took it to London one day and yeah, I, I could take one picture and then wait two minutes for it to wind on to the next film. Um, but anyway, finally got through the role um, and the results I'm actually quite pleased with. I have, I'm still going through them and haven't shared any of them yet, but I will do. It's a nice camera. If you come across one of these, it's definitely worth keeping an eye out for it. Um, the lens is plenty sharp enough um and, and like i said it it feels nice in the hand um i i will use it again it's it's one I, I always find for me that i can tell the difference between the cameras that i've enjoyed using you, you enjoyed the handling of and the ones that i haven't in in terms of the photographs that come out of it because i always get more interesting pictures out of cameras that i'm enjoying using I, I don't quite understand why but i guess it's just the whole holistic thing know, that totally works for me as well definitely yeah um but yeah it, it's nice it's fun and and um i figured out now how to resolve the film counter problem there's this little um because normally with with all the cameras we use when you open up the film door at the back the film counter goes back to you know, zero or S or whatever it goes back to. And this one isn't, but I, you just need to stick a little pin in or something and lift up a hook that should be springing back up on its own, but isn't, but that then solves that problem. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a nice, it's not as small as a lot of my other compact cameras, but it's not huge either. And the fact that it's not as small as things like the Olympus Mew 2 means that you've got a decent viewfinder on it. Um, 
and you've also got just more to hold and you're less likely to shove your fingers in front of it. Uh, I know there are a few other cameras around at the same time. Canon made one um, that looks very similar and is of a similar vintage and Olympus did as well. Um, you know, these lenses, they're, I think they're all around the 35mm um, f2.8. Um, I don't know what the Canon or the Olympus are like, but yeah, this Nikon, uh, I really like it. And also it just looks cool in 80. So um, <laughs> thumbs which up. Is, for... Which is very important. <laughs> yeah, it is to me. Um, uh, so yeah, thumbs up for the even slightly broken Nikon L35 AF2. Okay, awesome. Right, uh, next on the list, uh, some feedback from some of our friends. Yeah, we've we had some letters. Now, some of this is stuff that um, we've been waiting to get to for uh, a couple of weeks. So apologies to people for being slow getting back. Um, the first one, uh, actually, I'll first is I'll just finish off. We were talking earlier about the email that we got from Derek. And I just want to read the other bit that he mentioned in here. Um, it says, uh, I really hit a creative block over winter and listening to the conversation with Eric helped me get out of that rut. It helped to know that other artists struggle with the content of the work and the communication barriers that visual art creates. Often the intent of what we shoot is lost in translation. I realized I need to focus, pun unavoidable, on photography for my own artistic and creative needs and to let the cards fall where they may on how it's received. Um, so I just that that was really interesting um, following on from the conversation we recently had with Eric. Um, but, yeah, it really sums it up very nicely that pursuing for photography for your own artistic and creative needs and not worrying about how other people perceive it is very freeing. I think you're right. And and I think, um, you know, I'm always uh, with the thing that the thing that manifests this in my life is that actually um, I don't always take the photographs that other people want me to take, especially family members. <laughs> and this is not pointing the finger at anybody in particular. They're, 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 I, I have a reasonably large extended family and uh, they all consider that I as the photographer probably am going to be the person to document the event. Um, and uh, then uh, re rarely uh, are my photographs that sort of, you know, sort of event documentation kind of photographs. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's hard. It, it, it's, um, as you said, quite often the things that we want to do creatively don't match with what family expectations are. Um, but, yeah, it, it's good. You've got to throw off those shackles and just do what you want to do. Mm, yes. OK, so who's next? The next email is from Florian Kramer. Uh, Florian writes, um, hey, guys, given that you didn't get any emails for a while, I thought I'd rectify that situation. Um, uh, he says, first of all, let me congratulate you on the delightful weekly podcast. Well, that's very kind. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much sir. Yes. Um, although I might have to blame you for a few recent acquisitions to my camera shelf. Uh, it's all good. You can never have too many cameras. <laughs> on the plus side, I have started. Yes, you clearly can. No, you can't. <laughs> on the plus side, I have started a fifty-two role project this year, which I probably wouldn't have done without your talk of projects on the podcast. As I have urged urged Graham on Instagram to give his LCA another shot, I thought I would provide you with a guide on how to adjust the shutter button travel without resorting to any Sugru hacks. I am sure a man who takes apart a lens will be able to accomplish it and even reassemble the whole thing. So um, Florian sent me this fantastic PDF with nice clear photographs on how to 
partially disassemble the LCA and like properly adjust the shutter travel to make it work better. So I haven't done this yet. I am going to have a go at this. Um, if it all goes wrong, I've already let him know I'm going to put it in an envelope and post it to him for him to fix. <laughs> uh, I will also share the um, PDF that Florian sent me on the Pixelated Photographer website because it's really useful Um because as I said, it, it was the one thing about the LCA which particularly bugged me. I hated the fact that you just really have to push the shutter down so far to get it to fire. And I would probably have a lot warmer thoughts towards that camera if it was a little bit more hair trigger at least. Um, anyway, carrying on. On episode 40, you talked about CLAs and asked for some feedback. Whilst I haven't had any of my cameras CLA'd recently, I got one repaired last year. Um uh, it was, I think, uh, blah, 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 blah. an Olympus 35 UC. Um, they got sent to an Olymp Olympus technician in Hamburg called OM Doctor or Om Doctor. I like that. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a Marvel villain um, that offers his services at a reasonable rate. In the end, I paid about 100 uh, euros for the repair, which included a new lens mount, adapting the light meter to the um, 1.5 volt batteries, new seals, and a full CLA. I am very happy with it. Um, so another email, very much saying that CLAs are a very worthwhile um, thing. Have you got your Nikon sent off aid? Uh, it's gone. Uh, it's not back yet, though. So uh, uh, my my Nikon guy sent an email saying. I, just to let you know it's arrived uh, a bit busy i'll get to it as soon as i can so um uh, which is all good with me yeah no that sounds great that sounds great i'm i'm at, i know i said it before i am going to send my um, olympus off once i've got through the roll of film that's in there um <coughs> excuse me well i think yeah you know, I, I i think it's if there's a camera you really love it's worth doing you know even even if you just think of it as preventative maintenance you know something that might be due to break or seize or, or whatever um could get fixed before it it does that yes absolutely and it's well worth it because the cost of replacing these cameras with good condition models is more expensive than buying uh, more expensive than getting a cla um Last email we got. This has been a real email fest. Look at these three whole emails within one month. We have broken all records here. Um, this last one Google comes in. Google was from... shocked and stunned, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> this last one comes in from Zach Ribbing. Um, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here because Zach's covered up quite a few things in here. Um, so this is a couple of weeks old. Uh, Zach wants to say, I loved Sarah, um, started following her after the show, and uh, I feel exactly how she does about digital and film. Um, what she said about sifting through digital photos after a shoot is what drives me nut to, nuts to. Film just brings me back to attention, and it took a few years to realize it. Uh, and it took me a few years to realize it when I was shooting digital. Sorry, Zach, I'm doing a terrible job of uh, reading this. Um, uh, Zach, I'm just going to pick up a few bits here. He felt the tension of the pressure imposes when Sarah said that she powered through a roll over a weekend. So, yeah, that's true. Um, Sarah and her ability <laughs> to shoot through an entire roll over a weekend, I think, made a lot of us feel quite... Um, quite inadequate i, I uh, shot a roll and a half this weekend well you were in venice that um <laughs> that that is most uh most unfair and i uh, finish up on this one finally the cheap shot challenge he's happy to say that he has accidentally stumbled upon a nice cheap camera at a yard sale um so he has picked up a minolta xga in a box 
with no price. So he said, um, what price? And threatened, uh, he offered the guy $5 for it. And then he said, oh, I've only got $4 in my wallet. And so that's what he paid. So he's picked up a Minolta XGA for $4. So well done, Zach. Um, I'm pretty sure it has a, oh, and it comes with a lens as well. So blimey, you know, he's off to the races. Uh, Good stuff. Welcome aboard. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. So thank you very much for your email, Zach. Um, and anybody else who wants to drop us an email, um, our email address is sunny16podcast at gmail.com. We love getting to them. Um, it's always nice to read them. So, yeah, please do drop us a line. That'd be fantastic. And the last little bit of feedback I wanted to get get to was um, brief pause whilst Graham remembers where he's put his phone. Because this isn't on Instagram. Sorry, Aid. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, dum 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 No, no, I'm singing. You're finding something to say. Sorry, I'll Anytime now. I'm just enjoying the singing. The last bit of feedback is from Alexander, who is at Captain Bedwell88. I will not ask questions about that Instagram name, but that is his name, at Captain Bedwell88, who just sent me a message to say he just listened to the podcast with all talk of Ferrania and found it fascinating and captivating. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. As we said earlier to Dave last week for joining us, it gave us an incredible insight into all of the goings on at Ferrania. And um, I know a lot of people tuned in last week to listen to Dave. Um, so I, I hope people got got some enjoyment from that conversation. And thank you, Alexander, for taking the time to write to us. It was much appreciated. We always like hearing from people. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Yes. OK, so... I think we're pretty much near the end of our list now. There's just one thing to do, which is uh, an announcement of a competition. Not one of ours, thankfully, because we're pretty poor at running competitions, but uh, one of somebody else's. Uh, well, no, technically not, Aid, but don't worry. This is going to be really short and really brief. Um, and we're giving this a good long lean time. We are, this is the 27th of March when we're recording this, and this will be out to 30th? No, 20th. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It'll be out before the end of March. Uh, this year's Pinhole Day, Pinhole Day 2017, is on the 30th of April, Worldwide Pinhole Day. Um, now, a lot of people who listen to the show are already into pinhole photography, and I, I love pinhole photography because it's just, it is the easiest thing that you can kind of get into and be creative with we talked earlier about what neil's been doing with his project and shooting at the photography show um i think everyone should get involved including you this year with worldwide pinhole photography day on the 30th of april and what i really want to see this year what what i would love to encourage people to do is to make pinhole cameras um not just to go out with the ones that they've bought you know your fantastic undos like mine or the um uh ones that um cory and um tina use which are the uh, uh, is that the reality so simple or something like that? yeah reality so subtle cameras thank subtle, you Aiden. right brain fell um because those are great but i want to see some made cameras some good homemade cameras and so we're, I'm going to say we're going to have a competition here. I want to see the craziest homemade pinhole camera. Um, 
And to give you an idea of what we're talking about, uh, Dave, aforementioned Dave, once made a pinhole camera out of a gift, a whiskey gift box and used the camera whilst it still had the glass and whiskey within it. It's pretty great. Um, so make your pinhole cameras. Take your pictures on Worldwide Pinhole Day and uh, either tag us on Instagram or email me or um, put it on the forums or Put it on anywhere you can, Twitter, share it with us, whatever. But come the week after April the 30th, whatever week that may be, uh, we will look at what people have shared with us. And whichever one we pick out as being the wackiest functional pinhole camera, it doesn't have to be the one that takes the best pictures. It just has to be one that takes a picture and is made out of something insane. And I will send to that person um, a one of the little sort of two-pack things of um photo memo books from um shootfilmco.com so um incidentally mike if you're listening to this please make sure you put put one of those to one side and don't sell out of those but i will wait because <laughs> that would be embarrassing so the prize is something that you don't own and you haven't got <laughs> no i know but that's fine i will sort all that minor details out. so yeah okay. um that that'll be i know it's not a massive prize but you know it's easy to post it anywhere in the world so i want to see some good crazy pinhole cameras you know is it going to be paint tins pringles cans shoe boxes or something far more inventive than that um let's see what we can come up with you've got a whole month and aid i would like to see you make a pinhole camera please well first of all i have to say actually um well done for exposing the thin veneer of friendship that we try and uh project through this podcast <laughs> by uh creating a new photo competition in the name of the podcast without any consultation with your partner in crime so uh well done for that um beyond that i mean i technically did speak to you about it right before we started recording but you weren't listening very well were you well do you know what you talk a lot <laughs> true and I'm not gonna argue with that and 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 if i was to listen i mean that'd be like doubling the pain wouldn't it <laughs> true true no i'm not gonna argue with that all right never mind okay so well yeah i'll i'll yeah well i'll i'll add it to the list of competitions i'm 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 currently in and uh see see what i can do about it it's a real weak spot of mine though um making stuff so um uh we'll see where i get to i suspect i shall um, set a new low standard but there we go Right, okay. I don't know about you listeners, but I'm pretty exhausted. Um, that's quite a lot of updating right there. Some updatey goodness for you all. Um, we are now on uh, that last little rundown of the show. Um, and I know, uh, for one thing, uh, that Graham wants to uh, share the address for the Disabled Photographic Society. Yes, I did. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Um if you have any photographic items, this is a UK-based charity, um, but if you have any photographic items, then you can um, email uh, the, the email address is Tom, uh, sorry, it's Tom Malloy is the person, and the email address is chairman at the-dps.co.uk or just visit www.the-dps.co.uk um, 
it's a great home for any photographic equipment that you no longer want uh, and that you maybe don't feel like selling or you don't feel has any value to you take the time to sell. Um, I know in the States, uh, the FPP does a fantastic job of um, finding new homes for photographic equipment through school projects and stuff like that. So you've got someone like this over there. But in the UK, I wasn't aware of anywhere else. So this is a great place for that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, yes. And certainly they were uh, doing a great job at the photography show and were very, very popular. Right, okay, so uh, following that, uh, we have a, a little announcement to make. Um, hopefully this is not going to be uh, too contentious, but you never know. I mean, if film photographers are one thing, uh, or some of us anyway, uh, you could say we were a little bit stuck in our ways and resistance to change. <laughs> But there's going to be some change to the podcast. Uh, we are going to change our publishing day. Uh, and, uh, you know, sorry for anyone that that might uh, cause tremors for. Um, but we are finding that um, as immensely rich as our podcasts now are, snigger, snigger, um, it's taking a little bit longer to uh, edit them properly and to uh, get sorted for the publishing. So uh, this is the last episode uh this being show 43 of course this is the last episode that is going to be published on a wednesday currently we put the podcast up around midnight on a wednesday uk time is when it goes live uh and uh that hopefully then gives certainly our uh uk listeners uh, a chance to download it so they can listen to it on their commute and i know that several <coughs> excuse me several of you do and thank you for that um so this is the last week it's going to be out on a wednesday and we're going to move it to a thursday uh that gives us a little bit uh, extra time to polish it and uh, of course the production values of the podcast will increase exponentially now that we're taking this extra day right there graham uh i would just like to make it perfectly clear that i am in no way responsible for the editing of this show so if you're making these claims that's great aid it's no skin off my nose uh yep there's gonna be an umpire band and all sorts from now on actually i was referring to the uh, timely publication of show notes mostly no comment <laughs> And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we really have reached the end of the show. Uh, next week, it'll be published on Thursday. Right. Uh, as per usual, you can get in touch with us uh, on the Internet. Um, it may have escaped your notice, uh, but we are the Sunny 16 podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Flickr, email. Thank you again for all the emails that J the JM. Who's JM? Graham was uh, sharing a, a few moments ago. Uh, thank you to Chris, a pixelated photographer, for all his support, uh, to Bill for the show notes, and to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech, uh, whose Creative Commons music we use and are thoroughly grateful for. Uh, any last goodbyes, Graham, before we sh close the show? Uh, um, I, I'm going to say uh, a, a last goodbye to... Um Rachel at Little Vintage Photography because we just missed her at the photography show uh, and it retrospectively ruined the photography show knowing that we could have caught up with her there but we missed her by inches so um, oh, I didn't know up, that I'm sorry to hear yeah, that I know well to make up for it I'm hoping we're going to have Rachel on the show very soon so that'll be something to look forward to that will be pretty good and we will publish that show on a 
Thursday. Excellent. Listen, folks, it has been great to talk to you and thank you for listening. We will be back with you next week. Goodbye. Bye. So many things, Aid. So I know. Many things. I know. Do you think the Thursday thing got across? <laughs> Thursday. Thursday.